The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me is co-host, we got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Good, mate. You? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Better better late than never, Macca. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on the f- podcast for the first time, we got Dylan8. Hey, what's up, guys? Good, mate. Jeez. Good to have you on. Better late than never is an understatement. <laughs> That's it. All right, as it's your first time on the podcast, Dylan, uh, do you want to give us a bit of a background about how you became a port supporter? Yeah, um, well, I'm from Melbourne and live in Melbourne, so I mean, not exactly uh, your typical port supporter, but I just had yep. a natural affinity for watching guys like Byron, Treaders, Burgoyne, and Wangers when I was growing up. So, you know, I guess I just fell in love with them. Absolutely. And uh, Dad was a Collingwood supporter. Didn't try to force them on me, but he didn't really mind that I was supporting Port because, you know, he said at least they're kind of kind of the Magpies. <laughs> That's it. And uh, what about your favourite match? Um, oh, it's, a, it's a tough split. Um, either the 2007 Cadinia Park game yep. or Showdown 35. Nice. Um, yeah, you couldn't go past that CC goal, could you? Absolutely. Both, both hard stoppers. Indeed. And your favourite player? Um, oh, from the past, I think Pickett. He was the guy who really just, watching him play, got me into port straight up. And Chad Corns. Um, currently, I probably uh, go, got to go with Hartlett. Um, when he's on song, he's just probably my favourite player in the league to watch. Yep, absolutely brilliant. Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, get on to our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around Port Adelaide this week. Uh, Dylan, mate, I might uh, throw to you first with this. What was your love and hate? Well, my love's got to be Bokey's comments about Chaplin today. Um, but the best thing about it was he was probably the only bloke in the field who could actually back up a little bit of shit talking off the field. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good to hear him actually have a bit of bite in him. Very nice guy. <laughs> yep, absolutely. He had a good game. He had a great game. Very good. Captain's game. Absolutely. And any sort of criticism of Troy Chaplin, I, I welcome with open arms. No doubt. Mm. And what was your hate? Um, oh, as part of the game, um, Westhoff taking a kick out was just absolutely bizarre, and it was just one of those things. After after a already pretty poor day at the footy, you just see it and you think, "What what the hell are we doing?" Yeah. What about his lack of? You could even go his lack of marking influence for the game. Even then, I mean, yeah, he's he's been dropping contested marks for weeks, months now. Yeah. But he's that bloke we need up the field. Indeed. I got nothing, Macca. Nothing. I got no, I got no loving this week. I've got to say, I'm going to be a bit harsh, but that's fair enough. I'm a bit disappointed with our footy club as a overall. I uh, very underwhelming performances, and you know, I mean, we could slap them on the back and say, you know, good effort, boys. But you know, I think we deserve more than that, and we've lost to what teams uh, that were respectively all out of the eight when we play them and we should have done better and, and we haven't for whatever reason, which we'll probably address shortly. But, yep, yeah, so no love for me. And oh, there's plenty of things to hate, 
you know, our leaders not being there. Uh, Kane Corns with that pathetic uh, whatever it was. I don't even know what it was. Uh, selections. There's a whole lot. That's fair enough. I've scrounged around, gone, dug pretty deep for my love. Um, I'm going to say the first game for the year of Jake Johansson in the SNFL. We had a ripper. It's great to have him back in the side again. He had 29 touches. Um, as we know, he's on state duty and, and had such a fantastic carnival. Um, but it's fantastic to have him playing for Port Adelaide again. And my hate this week is our tackling method. It's just not good enough. Um, you know, we rarely block the arms. We On the weekend, all we did see, or seemed to do was just grab the shirt and swing them around like a, like school kids, you know. Um, Richmond were, were really able to keep their hands free uh, with quite ease and, and it just wasn't good enough. And it really gave Richmond an extra sort of second or two to dispose of the ball effectively. And you can just you can just see that it's a real departure from what we were doing at the start of the season. I mean, definitely, yeah. I, I mean, we all know that we can tackle really, really hard. We just uh, we just didn't do it at all on the weekend. Even the Bulldogs game, we had a fantastic tackling game. It's yep. just disappeared. Let's get on to our review. Um, as we know, we played Richmond at uh, Etihad Stadium on Sunday. We lost by 20 points, 16 goals, 10 to 19 goals, 12. Uh, Robbie Gray continued his fantastic form this year with four goals. And uh, the Cobra Broadbent, uh, Schultze and Matty White uh, kicked two goals each. Uh, Dylan, mate, you are at the game. Uh, do you want to give us a, a bit of a quick review of what happened? Oh, where to begin? Where to begin? I think, um, shit, we... we... We had a chance to be in the game, I think, late in the, in the third, where Ollie Wines was running in on goal, Pittard was running in on goal and both missed. And there was our, our opportunity floundered in an already disappointing game. You feel we should be able to close out a game, even if we're not performing that well. You know, we're just that high-caliber side nowadays. But, yeah, I don't know what's, what's happened with the boys. Well, where did it go wrong, guys? Uh, is it time to hit the panic button? Uh, no, not yet. Um, look, a couple of stats I took were, and I noticed that the game was our our effort in the air at a fifty fifty contest. Like we we never seemed to win them on the weekend. Yep. I think they took six six more contested marks than us. It was six seven seven to thirteen. So I mean, I mean that's just you can't have that. And where where is Ebert? Usually he's popping around the ground to take these contested marks, and he wasn't anywhere today. Oh, the other day. I mean, you may have pointed out with the, the love-hate, though. I mean, you know, Westhoff, where I don't think he took a mark for the, the second half. And he's one of our <coughs> biggest guys on the team and one of our focal targets, even up the field. And he's not really influencing the play. Um, so what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. And at the start of the year, he was clunking contested mark after contested mark. And the past, the past month or even couple of months, he just... Every time he goes for a mark, it seems to just slip out. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, he's only taken... Oh, he's still taking some contested mark. He's only taken three in the last three weeks, though. Um, I don't know. Where did it go wrong? For me, it's pretty clear that the midfield was really, really disappointing on the weekend. Yeah, they just didn't turn up at all from uh, from Loby in the ruck uh, all the way through to uh, our clearance-winning mids. They just didn't get the job done, except for Bokey. He had a fantastic game. 
you know, we, we lost the hitouts convincingly. Uh, we were nine down in clearances, ten down in inside fifties, and almost uh, or over thirty down in contested possession. So we really got bossed around the midfield. Yeah, and on those contested possessions, I think we we had only three players with over ten contested possessions, and they had seven. I mean, one of our players with that was Loby. I mean, where, where are the midfielders? Absolutely, we had a lot of players down, and I think if we go to the big elephant in the room, I think our couches have been our couches. Our coaches have been down. <laughs> you know, my, I wish my couch was down. I'd like to be able to sit on it more, but um, <laughs> the, the coaches are. I think are really being exposed over the last few weeks. Yeah. You know, we've got to say this stubbornness with uh, with selections and, and not going told, did it really cost us on the weekend? Absolutely. They killed us inside 50. Yeah. You could, you could see that we were lacking at all inside 50. Yeah, discussing this now, but, I mean, it, it's been happening for weeks and weeks and the forums have clearly covered it. But it, nothing changes, and we're losing and losing and losing. It's it's baffling. Well, I play. I made a comment yesterday that I feel like almost the coaches have painted themselves into a corner, where they didn't want to select these tall backup players earlier, and now we're we're getting to a point where there's so much on the line, come finals and everything else, um, that it's almost impossible to select those players now because there's too much to lose. And we haven't installed enough faith in those boys early enough. Um, and so really, uh, they've sort of... Now it's that old saying of, you know, you're going to cut off the nose to spite your face. But they've got a... I would have preferred we play a butcher or shore, even if they weren't ready, and just said, look, boys, we're going to give you an opportunity and kept our structure uh, instead of, uh, I don't know, what we're doing. And uh, we're starting to get exposed to it. But at the end of the day... As you pointed out, Macca, our midfield's getting smashed and most of our key midfielders are still there. So what's going on? I mean, in that first half, I mean, what's Butcher or Shaw going to do? I mean, the ball was just streaming out of the midfield so quickly and it's literally spent almost the entire of the second quarter up in their forward line. Um, So I'm not sure what another tall forward would have done then. I think it was pretty clear in the second half when... We had Westhoff move to the back lines and Schultz was up on the wing most of the time and he was looking up and who did he have to kick to? You know, he had midgets like uh, Sammy Gray and, and Mitchell and other smalls like Robbie Gray and, and Matty White up there. And All you need is a, a tall target just to sort of patrol that 50-metre line and, and see what can happen. Well, I think I think that Matty White goal, as spectacular as it was, sort of showed off that, that problem that he had to run that far and take his own shot rather than pass it off because there was absolutely no one forward. Yeah. Yeah, I like the... Um, Pittard's shot at goal was woefully appalling. I'll, I'll even say that. It's a big Pittard fan, but... Rick, that what was, was the also... first shot at goal in the history of the sport. <laughs> no, I reckon, I, I reckon <laughs> I've seen some words. I reckon Hampson had... I reckon Hampson missed one dead out in front and kicked <laughs> it out on the ball. But um, what was even worse was the umpiring decision afterwards where... About two seconds after he kicked it, he gets shoved in the back, you know, pushed to the ground, basically. Should have been a free kick, but they didn't even pay it. But he probably didn't deserve it, because, no, considering think, how bad that... I the umpire probably said, <laughs> if you kick that bad, you don't deserve a bloody another shot. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So, But, I mean, Ollie Wines' shot wasn't much better either, but at least it got no, a score. But, um, yeah, I mean, look... You it, could tell from the start when Schultz had a shot in the first couple of minutes and... 
missed a, a pretty straightforward shot for Jay Schultz. You can sort of uh, sense a, a bit of foreboding from there, I think. But I mean, I thought he, I thought Loby's output was pretty much down as well as an influencing um, Ruckman. Is he feeling the pinch potentially because we're not carrying enough tolls either? I would think so. I mean, it's been a pretty long season for Loby. He had one week off when uh, when Renouf came in, but apart from that, he's had not a whole lot of support. Um, apart from the odd sort of three or four minute chop out here and there. Um, the only worry is that if he does stay fit for the rest of the year, what's he going to be like come finals time? Is he going to be too fatigued? Well, that's absolutely right. And uh, I guess what's going to be the interesting test, which isn't really talking about Richmond at the moment, but is probably how we back up, not against Melbourne, but the week after the bye. I think that's going to be a true, true indication to where we are. If we, uh, if we come out flat, well, we're pretty much cooked for the season, I reckon. If we come out up and running, well, then uh, we still might be in it. But, you know, all these rumours about are they in a high training mode or, or aren't they, um, you know, got to hope so. But, but I just find it farcical that we would jeopardise a finals campaign to flog the shit out of some players. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a real sense of sort of Adelaide Crows 2006 at the moment. I mean, you know, they were sitting well clear on top of the ladder, I think two or three games clear on top as well, um, when they upped their training ante and uh, bit them on the bum. So it's just not worth it if we're, if we're going to lose that leverage on the competition with a top, a top two spot or even top four at this point. As for, something that Ford said and or sort of intimated towards uh, after the game, and I agree 100%, is that you know, for the first sort of 10 to 12 weeks, we were the real underdog. You know, no one really sort of rated us. We just kept winning. We had to win. And we kept putting ourselves out there. We beat, you know, big-name teams. Like, we beat Geelong. We beat Frio. We beat Hawthorne. We said, hey, guys, you know, we are the real deal this year. And it seems that ever since we beat Hawthorne and got close to Sydney that day, it seems like everyone sort of rested on their laurels a bit and yeah. sort of believe that they are good enough. And That's exactly they right. work hard. It's like they've read their own press for a little while. Indeed, absolutely. But uh, you would have thought after losing to Adelaide, that would have been enough of a wake-up call. Again, we sort of follow up the Adelaide showdowns not very well, so you could argue the um, uh, the Essendon game. But, you know, the Rich and Richmond game was pretty deplorable to me, really. And yeah. um, I guess the, the only argument you could mount um, in favour of us is, I guess, all of those three teams have been fighting for something. Adelaide was fighting for a final spot when we played them, and they're an experienced side who was sort of coming back to more uh, peakish form mid-season. Same with Essendon, where they've sort of struggled to get a groove and they're, they're starting to get one together again, and they've really got the passion to try and make the eight. And, um, you know, and I guess Richmond were playing to, to try and knock off the, uh, uh, the tall poppy, and I guess... Unfortunately for us, we haven't been able to handle that pressure and we haven't really had enough fight to want to protect that top spot. And, and that's where I'm really disappointed at the moment as a supporter because, you know, we could still be in top spot and the game clear if the boys, boys were focused and um, we seem to have lost that focus and, and we've given up that opportunity. Now, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you know, footy's a great game. Come back this week and play well and and have a convincing win against Melbourne, have the break, and we might come back out all firing on 
all cylinders and uh, and off we go. But um, it's going to be an interesting point. But I think our midfield really needs to stand up. And I had a quick chat to Macker, and I really thought our underages are underperforming at the moment. Wingard's down, Wines is dropping off a little bit. Um, Pittard's starting to you know maybe drop off just a tad. Um, you know, Polek starting to fall fall off or fall away a little bit as well. So it's all those underage boys which seem to be falling off the radar a little bit. Is the season starting to catch up with them? You know, should we be maybe monitoring or should have we been a little bit more proactive and maybe rested them a game or two four to five to six games ago and given them an opportunity to refresh a little bit? Jeez, that was long. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess a lot of those guys have had a, a bit of a break due to the, all, all the uh, ankle injuries that we've had. Mm. Did Wingard think, have a break? I think Wingard's missed games. I think Polek's missed games. Impey's missed games. It's only really Wines, which has played the whole season. And he, he's, he's still accumulating the ball. He's probably, the, obviously, the, the standout of the youngsters. But, I mean, he hasn't really slowed down. Maybe his ball use hasn't been up to scratch, but he's still accumulating it. Yeah, he hasn't slowed down in terms of his numbers, that's for sure. Well, that's a very good point, which also sides to fatigue, is our ball use in general, even from our experienced players. Um, our ball use seems to be underwhelming at this point in time, whereas I think back to you know, every game before round 10, we would have been the most efficient and well-drilled ball-using side. It was like we just had the ball on a string and uh, you know we were hitting targets left, right and centre into advantage, on the chest, whatever. And now we're going to be handballing to the feet or missing the targets or fumbling. You know, Jasper's fumble, which resulted in a goal, wasn't great. I mean, the kick wasn't fantastic to start it either. You know, and they're they're basic um, fundamentals. So, you know, is it a fatigue thing or have we just dropped off a little bit and lost a bit of confidence now as well? I think think we've dropped off all across the board. I mean, our goal kicking is terrible. Um... We're not running as hard enough as what we were. Our contested possessions are well down. Um, our uncontested possessions are well down. Our defence is a bit of a shambles. The coaching staff are a little bit stubborn. All across the board, um, we've just dropped off that 5 to 10%, and you can't afford to do that. Now, on the ball, I'm not really sure what we're doing trying to get out of the back lines. There's a lot of handballing around and getting stuck. Um, I don't know if that's because of positioning up the field if there's no options. I don't know if it's because there's no tools to kick to, but we just seem to not be able to move the ball out of the back line. No, it's a very good point. Yeah. And we spoke yeah. about it last last week as well. Our, our kick-to-handball ratio is way too um, even at the moment, and we, from especially from the earlier part of the season, and it's something that needs to be addressed, and, and you might be on the money. Maybe it is the lack of forward targets or the, or the forward structure, and we're not taking that direct route to goal because we're sort of stalling with our ball movement, waiting for players to get back into position. Mm. I think we're still trying to play the same style that we, that we were playing um, at the start of the year. We're still trying to handball. Um, but, you know, I think teams have sort of clicked onto that and aren't giving us the space to use it properly. Yeah, but, OK, so uh, what do we have to do? Where, where are we? Where's the t- turning point for us? Do we have to draw a line in the sand? Um, you know, the cliche we heard for the last six years? Or, um, you know, is it just getting on the trading track and working hard, which I'm sure they are? Or um, is there, you know, is there something that we can do to, to change it around? I, I mean, to me, it still comes back to um, what everyone's thinking. I, I just feel like we, 
just have to have John Butcher in the side just to free up Westhoff to make him more influential. Yeah. Is where he, I mean, uh, teams need to be proactive. I mean, no premiership team has won um, based on the one single game plan for the entire year. You know, game plans are constantly evolving. I'm not sure that ours is at the moment, um, and it really needs to do that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's the game plan that's the problem or opposition teams figuring it out. I think it's just the execution of it. Um, and with with um, poor ball use, it, it sort of just doesn't come off at all. You really have to have that precision ball movement or it, it gets you nowhere. Yeah. I mean, once again, we had more handballs than kicks. I don't think that's ever a good thing. No, no it's not. Probably only Mick Noonan would probably be the only one to argue. <laughs> but um, I just see... John, um, John, well, John Butcher, he's he, he's a great alias for, um, what is that the right word, alias? Um, foe, not foe, what is it, Macca? What am I thinking of? Foliage, com- I don't know. A, a complex? <laughs> Good, a complex for uh, a left off. I am tired, I've done two 14-hour days in a row. <laughs> um, you know, but, yeah, he's a good accomplice for Westhoff, and Westhoff's the third tall forward for my liking, and he's not a second tall forward. And I think that's we're just sort of breaking down. And when we were up and running and 102% or whatever you want to call it, um, it was all right. We could hide the fact that we had that one less tall. And Tringo was probably an influence for us as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I'm going to look forward to the draft uh, discussions that we have in the future about... Uh, what our strategy might be as a footy club. Well, look, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and preempt what might happen on Thursday night. Even though our forward line was a bit of a shambles, we still kicked 16 goals, which pretty much every other game this year we would have won with that score line. Yes. I, I don't think the tall forward, another tall forward, is necessarily like going to work any miracles because, I mean, you're getting another tall forward, it frees up West off. Yeah, but... I mean, does that fix him missing all those shots on goal? Does it does it fix his contested marking, his even his uncontested marking where he's slipping up? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. But it will, it will allow our crummers to be crummers again instead of tall marking targets in the forward line. I think the uh, thing that really cost us on the weekend was the lack of a, a proper tall defender, like a third tall defender. Once again, we had to play Jonas on someone that was you know fourteen centimeters taller than him. Um, and he really struggled against Vickery, and that's why we had to throw Westhoff down back. It was because Jonas couldn't perform the job that the coaching staff are trying to expect him to do, which I don't think he's capable of doing. One of the, one of the biggest farces I've ever seen on a football field was just just having to see Chaplin, their centre-half back, playing in the forward line against our, our centre-half forward because <laughs> we just had to man him up. It, it, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. So... Uh, Instead of being a complete bitch cast, should we have a bit of a positive, <laughs> positivity section as well? Um, yeah, well, who, who are your best players, guys? I'll start this one. I think pretty obviously Bokes. Bokes the standout number one. Yep. Um, Robbie Gray, excellent effort up forward. You know, he can't fault four goals, can you? And Matty White against his, against his old side just tried and tried, and he, he got forward and he created. Um, Schultz, i got to give to Schultz. I mean, he... He battles with the most ridiculous forward structure every week, and he can still, you know, slot a couple of goals. So I mean, props to him. And I thought, oh, this this one might be a bit, a bit controversial. But Pittard, I thought, I thought when he used the ball, when he when he ran, that sort of helped us because we just couldn't get it out of the defence. 
Yep. And when Pittard ran, I thought, you know, at least at least he's creating something. Definitely. And he did have a couple of errors, but I mean, that's just that's just standard Pittard, isn't it? Yeah. What about you, Rick? Oh, look, I was just I was proud to watch Travis play. Really, as a as a Port Adelaide player and a captain, I thought he was fantastic. And you know, I mean, he really tried to pull us over the line. He couldn't have done anything more than what he did. And you know, as supporters, I think we'd all. Uh, be in awe of, of his efforts you know I mean a couple of years ago we were questioning uh, where he was at working off a tag and you know but I mean what he did on Saturday was just fantastic and uh, yeah I mean what else could you ask really what, it was a per- perfect game and a losing side and I hope he gets rewarded with the Brownlow medal three votes for this round because he probably deserved it out of all the players on the field um, yeah look I guess it was hard for me because Robbie Gray's been so influential with the ball and, um, you know, so to see his output down in possession lines, but to get the uh, the goals, um, you know, again, it was a, a good effort. And um, and look after that, I, I don't know, give, the, give everyone else half a vote to allocate it out evenly. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, for me, yeah, definitely Bokey was best on ground by as big a margin as you could possibly get someone being best on ground. He was uh, an absolute superstar on the weekend. Robbie Gray with four goals. He just keeps on keeping on, which is fantastic. Um, Matty White with his uh, fantastic pace. And that goal was just incredible at at full pace, taking three bounces. And the ability to slot that goal um, after running what would have been, you know, 110 metres, just phenomenal. In the last quarter too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hamish Hartlett I had as fourth best. I thought he had a, a pretty good game. Uh, kicked a nice goal as well, and I too had Jasper Pittard as fifth best. I thought he was fantastic on the weekend, um, even though he had the worst shot at goal in the history of the sport. Um, you know, the run that he gave us in the first half, I thought was was really important, um, even though no one else was doing it, um, and I don't think he really put a foot wrong um, outside of that shot on goal. So yeah, he was fantastic again, and that's probably what the Sixth out of the last seven games, he's been uh, in my best players. So he's in some uh, in some fantastic form. He uh, he did have that fumble from that average kick that resulted in a turnover goal too. But yeah, you're, I not, think that was you're not supposed to mention that one, Rick. <laughs> oh well, I've got to be uh, I've got to be neutral. I can't be too biased. All the time, I like but, your impartiality, Rick. It's uh, but very convincing. Yeah, but but uh, look, yeah, I probably robbed Hamish there, Macca, because I did notice him on the weekend, and I actually thought that that was the second game in a row where the intensity that he brought to the pack and the ball is probably a new level for Hamish that he just needs to keep going now. I thought he was very hungry to smash uh, those packs and try and get the ball and really impact the body contact. Um, so I was really impressed impressed with that side of the game from Hamish. So, um, and, yeah, and, and, yeah, I thought Jasper run and try hard too in, uh, in what was a pretty difficult circumstance. Look, just before we let Dylan go, uh, Sammy Gray and Kane Mitchell, do they keep their spots this week? No. No. You you can't justify it. I mean, oh, Kane Mitchell, I guess he works as a sub, but I think think I'd put Aaron Young back there. He was all right, but, I mean, put him as a sub. He's the perfect sub. Bring in in a couple of tools for... um, for Sam Gray and Kane Mitchell, and there's yep. there's a bit of the structure fixed up. Yep. This is where I'm a bit disappointed with um, Aaron Young. 
I mean, what was his end end result for the game, Macca? Do you know off the top of your head? Well, he had 15 touches. Um, I thought when he got the ball, something good generally happened. He, he played a part in probably three or four goals, I thought. But, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's been calling out for him to have full games, and I, I don't think he really delivered this week. No. And this, this is what's frustrated me with these guys. Um, you know, I love them. And Andrew Moore's something similar as well. Obviously, he's injured this year, so... He hasn't had that consistency, but that, just that type of player, when they're, when they're getting their opportunity, they're not coming in and just forcing it to be, I want this spot on the side and I don't care who I'm keeping out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. Um, you know, it's not enough, and he, he should have been influencing the game a lot more than that. And, look, I agree with your outs um, that you're talking about, and I, I really hope we need more contested ball winners, so I really hope that Benny Newton gets an opportunity this week. He has to. You know, even Paul Stewart with what he backed up. We need those mature potties coming into the side now to influence our game. All right. Well, we'll leave that there for now uh, for the AFL part. Dylan, thanks uh, for joining us this evening. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. No worries. We'll have you on again soon. Uh, no worries, boys. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, cheers, the black and the white. Honour the magpies day and by night. All right, SANFL and Port Adelaide played North Adelaide at Albert and Oval on Saturday. It wasn't a great result again, um, with Port Adelaide going down by two points, uh, 14 goals 8 to 13 goals 16. Um, looking at the the, uh, the goal kickers, Carl Amon had his best game of footy with four goals. Uh, Mitch Harvey kicked two, uh, as did Johnny Butcher as well. Uh, a bit of a different game. We burst out of the blocks again, as we seem to do every week, with a, a five-goal first quarter. Uh, we had a 19-point a lead at quarter time. Um, again, as we do in the second quarter, North pegged us back. Um, it was pretty even throughout the second half. Um, North hit the front, and then Benny Newton kicked a goal uh, around about 20 minutes into the last quarter to give us a two-point lead. Um, and from that moment on, uh, North played the game pretty much entirely in their forward 50. Um, they played man-on-man man and, and really choked our space and we were just unable to get the ball out um, and they were able to score four behinds in a row to win the game by two points. Boo, the posters. Boo. Absolutely. <laughs> so, a disappointing effort because, um, yeah, we just didn't seem to try and create something coming out of defence in that last ten minutes there. Well, it sounds like the coaches were also critical of the uh, the big boys up forward as well. They didn't, yeah, they. I read a couple of comments where uh, I'm pretty sure they were um, suggesting that they probably didn't present hard enough and long enough for the whole game, um, which is probably a bit disappointing for us uh, from the senior level, considering that's what we're crying out for and the boys uh, aren't doing it, if that's the case. But, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Mason Shaw, he, he was disappointing. Um, everyone was calling for him to get a game in the AFL, but... Yeah, I don't think he's. I still don't think he's ready. He had just the eight kicks and, and kicked a goal. Uh, Johnny Butcher wasn't too bad. He kicked a couple of goals and had four or five marks. Um, you know, played a little bit in defence and in the ruck as well. Uh, Mitch Harvey had his best game for about two months. I thought his game was really, really good. Um, he had two goals and seven marks as well. Yeah, and I um, didn't Benny Newton pick up a bit of a knock during the game, but sort of played it out. 
He did, yep. Yeah, he copped a knock in the uh, in the first half, I think, and played it out. He played pretty well again. He's certainly um, keeping his name in uh, in selection uh, talks, I would think. He had you know over twenty touches and, and another couple of goals and and led the clearances for the club. Would you like to to see him get selected in the senior side? Definitely, I think that's something again that we're missing is you know another clearance mid, sorry, either him or Andrew Moore. I think Benny Newton deserves. Uh, a bit more of a look at uh, at AFL level just to see what mm-hmm. he can do. Um, I'd probably prefer Andrew Moore out of the two because I think he's a bit more ready uh, with where we're at um, as a team at the moment. So he ra- Andrew racked up about 20 disposals in his uh, first game back from his shoulder injury as well, didn't he? He did. He was very good, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's just a matter of... Uh, do we want to get a bit more run and a bit more confidence in his body before bringing him back up to the higher impact or do we just throw him in straight away? That's it. I mean, the other question I've got is do we drop Westhoff and bring in the 178-centimetre Carl Amon who kicked four goals? And oh, look, I, And look, I'd probably rest, um, I'd probably rest uh, Schultz as well, seeing he sort of looked like he knocked his shoulder and uh, put on uh, bring in Darcy Byrne-Jones as well. What do you reckon? Could do. Could do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, a great idea, Macca. You're you're uh, cooking with gas there. Absolutely. But uh, and what about Paul Stewart? What a great way to come back from from injury from him. Uh, he had good figures, but he was pretty disappointing in terms of. Uh, yeah, his bowl usage wasn't great. He made a lot of poor decisions with the bowl. Um, yeah. But look, his figures were fantastic. He had 33 touches and I think over 10 marks again. So. So was he running from the halfback flank or was he playing pure centre? I think he was playing uh, more his normal sort of forward flanky um, quasi midfield role. Right. So I guess if his disposal was poor, that might work against him in coming back this week. Yeah, I'm not sure he'll get get a look in this week, to be honest. He yeah. might do for structure reason, reasons, but I don't think he deserves a spot on that game in particular. So, I mean, look, we've had the injuries, which has sort of affected the Maggies, but the Maggies seem to be going through a little bit of a lull patch, um, the same as the uh, the power side at the moment, don't they? Well, it's just a, a 5 to 10% drop-off all across the club at the moment. I mean, mm. maybe maybe we are training them too hard. You know, maybe it is fatigue. Maybe the huge pre-season that we had going to Dubai and... You know, uh, Burjo working the players harder than they've ever worked before. Um, maybe it's counting against us at the moment. Well, I mean, I heard numbers, and I think I brought this up earlier in the season with the podcast, that, you know, the boys were running 80, 90 Ks a week or something. And when I had a brief chat in the early in the season to one of the former uh, listed AFL players, not with Port, and I was talking to him about Port's training um, you know, he was saying that it's unsustainable for a whole season. So yeah. um, maybe if if we didn't continue that workload for the bulk of the season up until now, maybe that maybe his words of wisdom uh, are coming to fruition. Maybe it is unsustainable over the long term. But maybe that's the coach's strategy. Maybe it isn't their intent to really push for you know a win this year. But why wouldn't you if you're sitting top of the ladder? That's what I don't get. But maybe uh, you know maybe it is about getting the, the endurance in them for the longer good more than the short-term gain. Yeah. I mean, if you know, what are we sitting at the moment? 11 wins, 5 losses at AFL level. This time, yeah. at, you know, at the start of the year, you'd take that. 
at this time of the season, you think, bloody hell, that's a fantastic year to date. You know, it's just disappointing from where we were sitting a few weeks ago. So there you go. So we're two games ahead of where we were last year. Yep. And I reckon if we, if we proposed that before the season started, um, a lot of us would have taken that, I would imagine. Oh, every day of the week, absolutely. It's just disappointing from being two games clear on top um, and then five weeks later we're, what, three games behind. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's very disappointing. So having that lollipop and the parents taking it away from you, you just want to scream, don't you? Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, Carl Amon, you must have been pretty impressed with his game for four goals. He's been growing and growing all year. He's had a fantastic season for his first year at the club, I thought. Um, yeah. You know, he was a little bit shaky early, but he's shown a lot of potential. You know, he's very quick. He's a fantastic user of the ball. He can kick goals. He can take a big specky. I think he's got a lot of AFL potential. Yeah, well, from his draft highlights, he looked like a fantastic player. So it's good to see that he's sort of getting there. And what the about that we uh, got him? The pick that we got him, I think he could be a little bit of a steal. Yeah, it was a bit of a bargain, wasn't it? Mm. What about um, Flinney? How did he go with his game back? Uh, poor. He was, uh, he was poor. He had a pretty good uh, sort of first quarter, and then he got a little bit injured in the second quarter, I think. Um, mm. And you just didn't see him after half time at all. Do you think he looked a little bit circumspect in relation to uh, his report and his body contact with the game? No, he was he was fine with his use with the ball. Um, I think it was just he, he got a bit of a knock and um, you just didn't really see him after half time. He, he was still on the field but just didn't get involved in the play too much. Right. I mean, even he'd be handy in the uh, senior side if he was uh, experienced and ready to go with his size and frame. But I guess... So where are the Maggies heading? Are they... Uh, they're, they're still heading for... Uh, Good success come finals time this year? I, I seem to think so. I don't think it's too doom and gloom just yet. Well, it depends on injuries, really, doesn't it? I mean, if, you, if we can keep our players fit, we'll have a few other players sort of come back in as the year goes on. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, of getting that double chance and, and going from there. So what about Brendan? How did he go on the weekend, our buddy? Uh, a little bit of a step back. Yeah, just the, uh, the 12 or 13 touches and goal. Okay, so... Yeah, it's quite interesting where we're where we're at as a club, and I'm looking forward to our preview on uh, on Thursday. But uh, yeah, I guess there's one thing I reckon we should talk about just quickly, Macca. See the Kane Corns report. Yep. I'm pretty disgusted. I'm disgusted to be honest. Yeah, there's there was nothing in that, and I know you saw on the you said on the forum it was silly, but. There, it was, there was, it wasn't even like the Kane Mitchell elbow to the back. He was just sort of running past, and he was almost just feeling for body contact more than anything. And Jackson's just dove to the ground trying to get a free kick to get the ball back into their possession. Mm. And the um, the field umpire didn't get sucked in by it. And I can't believe they've actually reported that. If that's what modern football is about, you know, that's we might as well just give up now. What well, is you, you see reports every week of things like this, and you know that's that was my whole point on the forum was that you see this every week. The players need to become aware of this and just not do it. I mean, every three weeks it seems that one of our players gets reported and sometimes suspended for something that is completely avoidable. What was he actually reported for, though? What was the report? I don't even know. I'm not even sure. Because I'm 
from what I could see, it seemed to be an open palm to his back, and he just sort of pushed him. That's why, and that's what my example in the in the forum today was the pushing the back to Pittard after he had that horrendous kick at goal. Yes, that's right. I'll repeat it: the horrendous kick at goal. I'll admit that. Yeah, but that had more force in it than what that cane cords pushed in. I don't know. It looked like more of a rib tickler to me. I don't know. It did, it did sort of look like a more of a punch than push to me, but that's just that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I just think our players need to be smarter because it happens too often. You know, every as I said, every three weeks it seems that one of our players is getting reported for some stupid thing behind the play. You know, just don't do it. Then you won't get reported. Yeah, well, I guess if you if you perceive it as a uh, sort of like a strike to the ribs, well, then yeah, I can see where you're going with it. I guess from my perspective, it was just really it, to me, it just looked like an open palm in the back. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I saw the replay twice on, on, on our forum and that was it. So I didn't study it in any great detail, but I just think it's a bit farcical. Mm. And, um, you know, I mean, there, there has to be a bit of physicality. Oh, it's stupid that these sort of things are getting reported. You know, I mean, yeah. when, when players are getting, you know, I mean, when Andrew Walker gets let off for elbowing Westhoff in the face in round one just because he was going for a mark, I mean... You know, it's ridiculous that these sort of things are getting reported. Absolutely. And this, and the, if they want to talk about the supporters, you know, not coming to the games or feeling uh, disenfranchised with the game or whatever, maybe they just need to look at their consistent rule um, changes and, and their interpretation. I mean, their intent to really withdraw um, physical contact from the game of, of choice, which is physical contact in nature... Um, is sort of a bit of an oxymoron and really, uh, you know, that's uh, that's part of the problem, I think. You know, it's and as a supporter, I'm frustrated. Am I not going to go to the game on Sunday because Kane Corns nearly got reported? No. You know, I'm still going to go to the game because I love my footy club and I want to uh, support the players uh, go on and get a win this week. But uh, I can see why uh, people are getting increasingly frustrated and maybe making that choice you know what, I'm just going to stay at home and watch it on TV rather than go live and watch it again. Yep. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, I reckon we might leave it there for now. Pleasure, and I appreciate you uh, being patient with me. Oh, it's good, just, buddy. Uh, it's a, uh, a crazy couple of weeks, and it should go back to a little bit of normality soon. Indeed. All right, mate. Go to the power. Go to the power. See you Thursday. Back goes Salisbury for Glenelg. Marnie tackles Brown, drives towards the goal square. Grenville gets back there for Glenelg. 